What was it that convinced those early believers that Jesus was alive? After his death, what convinced them that he had really raised from the dead? Many things we can point to. The mystery of the empty tomb. If you explore that, you will discover strong, strong evidence, many other details. But there's one thing above everything that proved to them that he was raised from the dead. He showed himself. Bible says there was an important period of 40 days in which Jesus showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. You think of Thomas, for example. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe, not until I see for myself. And Jesus appears, and yes, here I am. Make of, what do you make of that now? But it was more than just Jesus showing up and saying, hey, you're going to be witnesses of my resurrection. You're going to tell the world that I'm alive. Jesus had another agenda. In these resurrection encounters, Jesus was visiting with people, handpicked, selected by him to come into their world of brokenness. And indeed, a brokenness rather like every dream they had, every hope they'd pinned on him had been shattered. And Jesus had some amazing stuff to do in their lives. We're going to just choose three incidences. We could choose many more. Just three incidences of resurrection appearance was Jesus said, Hey, I know your world has just fallen apart. I know that your dreams have, sh have been shattered and and, and really, the truth is, I have shattered your dreams. Because I don't want you to live in a false world of dreams. I want you to live in reality. I want you to live in resurrection reality. How many of you have ever had any of your dreams shattered? And you blame the devil. I was ask you a question. Is the devil more powerful than God? No, 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 no. Sometimes, in fact, very often, God purposefully shatters your dreams and says, I had to do that because I love you enough to shatter your dreams and to give you a better one. Not even a dream, but that which is based on the reality of my resurrection life. I don't know if you like texting. I noticed as the camera was zooming around, people were live streaming to their friends. Hi. Not just, not just our official live stream, but the unofficial ones that were going on. You've got to be very careful. But I, I love sending and receiving texts and WhatsApp. I, I don't know. I just press some buttons. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Have you ever sent a WhatsApp to talking to two people at the same time? You send the wrong message to the other person, and they say, what? I, I, I did that once, and I thought, oh, well, I, I better get out of it. I'll, I, I'll, I'll you say how sorry I am. So I found the emoji of sorrow, 
Presto, but it was the emoji of laughing till your, to your, to your tears come. I had a lot of explaining to do. I love emojis because, you know, a few words, somebody can pick up pretty quickly what mood you're in when, when you're sending a text or, or a WhatsApp message and everything like that. But it's nice to be able to press on one and say, you know, I'm saying this, I'm laughing, I'm saying this, I'm happy. So we're going to have a look at how we can see some emoji changes tonight. First of all, I want to talk to you about Mary, Mary Magdalene. The text is up there. I'm not going to read them. Very long passages that you, you can write the text down and, uh, and follow it. He, here we have a woman whose dream had been totally shattered. She was utterly brokenhearted and bereft. You know the story, she's hanging around the tomb and, and she wants to anoint the body and she can't find the body and, and, and she's crying and, and she's so full of tears she really can't see and Jesus is standing right there and she supposed him to be the gardener and he, he said, what are you crying about? Well, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've put him. We don't know very much about Mary. But we have a tiny inkling that her life before she met Jesus was a living hell. We don't know anything about her externally. One little text says that Jesus cast seven demons from her. And whatever else was going on, something was happening on the inside of her. It was a, a living hell. She was living in a kind of a hell on the inside. And then Jesus comes into her life and everything's changed. She's set free. Her relationship now is restored. Her inner life is restored. She's made whole. And she owes it all to Jesus. And I guess that she was building a kind of world centered on Jesus, and that sounds very good and very right, except it was Jesus according to the flesh. It was not the Jesus that we know and understand because she was used to the physical presence of Jesus, and there was nothing in her forward planning, nothing in her hopes and dreams that would exclude the physical presence of Jesus. I guess she was saying, it's amazing. I'm always going to be able to go to Jesus when I have a problem. Always going to go and just thank him again and show him my appreciation. And I believe there was a, a deep, pure, yet passionate love centered around the physical presence of Jesus and now that was robbed from her he's dead and not even his physical body not even his dead body was available to her to show one final act of appreciation just to to grieve and to mourn and the the mourning process the grieving process is so important and even that's robbed from her. She didn't even have that luxury, that, that privilege. And she is totally devastated. But the resurrected Lord is standing right by. 
I don't know what they've done. They've taken the body. I don't know where it is. And then Jesus said the one thing that, that would break through her sadness, her brokenheartedness, wipe away the tears. He said her name, Mary. When Jesus calls your name, he calls your name like no one else can ever call your name. Do you know he knows your name? And he calls you by name. She recognized, Lord, Master, and she, she, she ran to grab hold of him. You're back. It's going to be like this forever. You're not really dead or whatever has happened, but you're back. You're here. I'm going to have you forever. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't hold on to me. Some versions say, don't touch me. It wasn't if Jesus said, don't touch me. I'm the resurrected Lord. Who do you think you are? Don't touch me. Stand back. I'm so powerful. I'm so glorious. I'm so exalted. I'm so anointed. You can't touch me. No, no, no. He was saying, don't hold on to me. Meaning, you can't keep me here like this. I've not yet ascended to my God and your God. To my Father and your Father. And there in that moment, Jesus put together all the broken pieces and, and she understood everything that he had shattered her dream that he was going to be around as he was before and that Jesus was saying, I am never going to leave you, but it's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's going to be better than before because it's not just about what I can do for you. It is the fullness of the salvation that the Father has for you. I'm lifting you up into a whole new realm and dimension of salvation and restoration and healing and deliverance. Wow, it's worth having that dream shattered to have a better one. So, where's, where's my emoji? What's up to my emoji? Ah, there. That's what happened to her. We're going to move on now. We've had so much ministry tonight as Rachel has ministered to you deeply and passionately and a whole range of things, touched many, many lives. So I'm going to make my, my message brief which is a good intention, but it is not an ironclad promise, just in case. Come with me now to two disciples who had witnessed the crucifixion, and in that, all their hopes were dashed. I, I don't know how we could ever enter into what it meant for that generation of disciples who had recognized in Jesus every hallmark of Messiah and put all their hopes, national hopes, personal hopes, all their dreams, now as the time has come, this one, this one is going to redeem Israel. Now the time of political emancipation is, is here this one, Messiah, he's going to free us from our enemies. It's amazing. It's going to be fantastic. No more taxes to Rome. 
We're going to live in a tax-free zone. And the great days, the glories of the Davidic dynasty are going to be back with us. The son of David has arrived. We're going to be free. But their hopes were dashed. They are talking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Dispirited. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And they were so sad. So Jesus comes along. And he hears them talking. He says, excuse me. What were you talking about? You seem in deep discussion. What were you talking about? We're talking about the things that has happened. What things? Are you the only person who doesn't know what's happened? A great prophet had arisen. A great prophet. We had hoped that he would be the one who had set us free, but it's all over. We were wrong. All our hopes are dashed, and now we don't know how many, how much longer this misery is going to go on. But our only hope, our only chance of escape, our only chance of freedom, our only chance of emancipation has gone, and now we're going to be bent, double, buckled down under the yoke of Rome forever. And Jesus smiled and said, Oh, you foolish people, so slow to understand. Ought not the Christ first have suffered and then entered into his glory? And the Bible says that Jesus began at the very beginning and explained in all of the books of the law and all the prophetic writings those scriptures that showed that what had just happened in Jerusalem was exactly the plan of God. And their hearts were burning within them when Christ is revealed in the scriptures. And so they come to the place where they're staying and Jesus in very good, polite, protocolic Middle Eastern fashion made out as if he was going further. And there's no, stay, stay, stay. Let's eat together. And as they gathered around that Jewish family meal, even to this very day, the Jewish meal begins with the breaking of bread. And when Jesus broke the bread, they realized who it was. It is the Lord. Oh, yes. He had shattered their dreams, but their dreams were false dreams based on a political understanding of a human prophetic ministry. Now they understood something better, that Jesus is not just a prophet. If Jesus was just a prophet, then Mary's tears would have lasted and their discouragement would have continued. What a change. What a difference. Now we come to the final little cameo tonight. Peter, spend a little more time on Peter. Wow, wow, Peter, what was going on in his life? This is a story of the resurrection appearance to Peter. Do you remember? 
after Peter had denied Jesus three times, having said, all these will leave you, but I will never leave you. Remember, Jesus prophesied, he said, Peter, Peter, before this night is out, before the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you will have denied me three times. He also said this, very interesting. He said, Peter, Satan has requested to take you and sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. Peter makes a very interesting character study. He's obviously an extrovert, full of self-confidence, and obviously he's a leader. There's no doubt about that. He's the first to speak, the last to shut up. He knows everything about everything, even to the point of saying, oh no, Jesus, let me help you out here. That's, that's, that's not how it should be. He has the audacity to correct God manifested in the flesh. I, I like Peter because what you see is what you get. But Peter is a kind of up and down person, you know, up one minute, down the next. And, and one thing that I kind of get when I look at Peter was that he had a lot of bravado. He was the first one to say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But the lesson he learned that his dreams of aspirational leadership, his, his dreams about being somebody significant, his dreams about being a loyal follower of Jesus, his, his dreams about achieving great things for God were dashed when in a, a moment of near insanity, out of fear, he denied Jesus three times at the word of a servant girl overcome with fear, paralyzed. And, and the Bible says it, it's even stronger than it. It doesn't say, mm, I don't know him, let's change the subject. It says, with oaths and cursings, he denied that he knew Jesus. And the Bible says, he went outside and wept bitterly try try and enter in to the devastation of peter's heart i thought i could do it i can't do it i thought it was better than that i had so much going for me so much that i was going to do for god so much that i that i felt his hand upon me he chose me out amongst all the other apostles alongside Peter, alongside John and, and, and James. And it was just like, it's just like he was relying on me. And I promised him. I said, I'm not going to let you down. I promised him. I'm going to be there. I see it before other people see it. I'm, everybody else will, will, de will deny you and, and, and forsake you. I will not do it. I will always be there for you, Jesus. I will never let you down because you've got a plan for my life. You've got a destiny. And I sense that. But he blew it. He blew it big time. 
before the Lord who said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. He thought it was game over, finished. That was the end of everything. All his hopes, all his dreams, his spiritual dreams, his sense of revelation, his sense of purpose, his sense of destiny, blown to smithereens because he was a failure. But Jesus appears to him. And says Peter, and that's what he looked like. This is the emoji for embarrassed. I wanted one that showed shame. But the emojis are a little more positive than that. It's about as embarrassing as you can get. Can you imagine actually coming face to face with the Lord who just almost as it were a matter it appears to be moments ago you had so vehemently, so aggressively, so coarsely, so foully, so ignobly and so cowardly denied. What a deep sense of shame and brokenness he must have felt. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that all that you wanted to do and you had these big ideas, these big dreams, I'm going to do this for God, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do that, and I can do it, I can do it, I can do it with your help, of course, but I can do it. And then suddenly you realize you can't do it. all your dreams of divine destiny fall to the ground like feathers in the wind and yet Jesus is smiling at you and he says Peter do you love me more than these you know I love you Lord Peter do you love me you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Why do you keep asking me? You know I love you. Okay, Peter, feed my sheep. Wow. The power of restoration in the presence of the living Christ is unlimited. I don't know. You all looked pretty happy tonight. You all had the other emojo up smiling, but maybe on the inside you're carrying something. There isn't any one of us who is not a failure. You're looking at one tonight, double deluxe one. But the resurrection message is this. It doesn't matter how far you have failed or how much you have failed. It doesn't matter how much you have blown it in your life. 
And by the way, actually, we keep on blowing it. You've probably blown it already today. Sorry, but we are talking about restoration. Maybe you've managed to keep it together to get into the car park. Maybe when the bus fails to stop at the stop, you lose it. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But I do know this. Without him, we can do nothing. And the wonderful thing about the resurrected Christ, he says, you know what? Peter, you thought you could do it and you blew it. The moment you think you can, you blow it. But the moment you say, Jesus, without you I can do nothing. Restore me. Rebuild me. Reshape me. And this time, this time, we're going to do it together. This time, this time, I'm going to do it your way. This time, I'm not going to rely on myself. This time, I'm going to put my dependence on you. Depending on God and not yourself is the only path to victory and to success. Depending on the risen Christ, not your own feeble efforts, is the only pathway to a fulfilled destiny. The resurrected Jesus is here by his spirit. Those 40 days are over. While people still have visions of Christ, I know that. But those 40 days are over when Jesus, immediately after his crucifixion and resurrection, showed himself to that first generation of witnesses. And they are the ones who witness to his resurrection. We rely on their testimony, honorable men and honorable women who saw him, who spoke with him, who touched him, who ate with him, who listened to him, who heard him. And he appeared in resurrection appearances all over the place on one occasion to 500 people at once. We rely on their testimony. So he is not with us physically because he went to be with the Father, but he sent his Holy Spirit who comes in the name and authority of the resurrected Christ to draw near to you today, your broken heart, your discouragement, or your sense of personal failure. And he puts the pieces Back together again. And he says, I happily trample on your tiny human sized dreams. I'm happy to see every dream of yours that is not founded on the reality of who I am fall to the ground. That's a happy day. Didn't sound happy here. It's a happy day when Jesus shatters your human dreams based on human ideas, human energy, and says, I've got something better for you. Because I'm not just a prophet who comes. I'm not just a religious leader. I'm not just a spiritual guide. I am the resurrected Lord of glory, and I bring you into my plan and bring you into a new destiny. That's what resurrection appearances and encounters 
meant to them. What does it mean to you tonight?